Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, hi, good morning, everyone. Welcome along. Tradies News in a nutshell for your Thursday morning, the 28th of December, 2023. Daniel Pedigree with you right across Australia again this morning and looking forward to a big show. Got Paul Dennett again in the studio, which we'll introduce, who we'll introduce in just a second to talk all things cricket. A bit of rugby league news floating around as well to do with Joey Manu. We'll talk about that. EPL with Jordan Gallo. He'll be on the line in about half an hour. There's a stack of football slash soccer going on. And most importantly, as we did yesterday and as we do every day, I want to hear from you. Open line number, as I said yesterday, may be a little different uh, to those listening outside of New South Wales and Queensland, but you are welcome to call it 1300 01 1170. 1300 01 1170. Or you can text one of two numbers this morning 0457 736 736 or 0433 98 11 16. 0433 98 11 16 or 0457 736 736. Good to have you company on your Thursday morning. Let's talk some cricket now for the Makita XGT Experience Professional Cordless Power Without Limits. Now on Tradies News, let's get the latest in cricket. And very honoured to have this uh, man in the studio for two days running. Set the alarm very early. Morning to you, Paul Dennett. How are you? G'day, Dad. I'm great. Um, well, I did well yesterday. Another 10 mm. hours of cricket. I think mm. I probably didn't quite manage the 13 hours the day before because I fell asleep um, knowing that I was coming in here for the Perth Scorchers game. Mm. But as a courtesy to my wife and family, I didn't stay up all through the night and watch it and watch India, South Africa. So I'm oh. the ultimate family man. Very, very nice of you. How did you go with the early hours yesterday? Uh, fine. fine. Um, I did have a little okay. bit of a nap in the afternoon mm, and then smart. caught up with the cricket. Um, but mm. yeah, feeling feeling yeah enthused and um, refreshed today. And I've put on the hottest studio you've probably <laughs> ever been in uh, for today. We did have, I have switched the aircon on, so still not sure if it's uh, working entirely, but we'll push through because we are professional. So any questions for Paul, by the way, one 300 0457 or 0433-98-11-16. Uh, let's start with uh, the day yesterday. Pakistan at stump, six for 194. Really interesting day. Um, and we'll get on to Pat Cummins and his performance and the Australian bowling performance in just a second. But I left here at about 10 a.m. and was uh, listening to it on SEN and then, uh, like you, had a nap and then watched basically the whole uh, second and third session. Uh, and at one stage there, it definitely looked like Pakistan were in control. Not so much now. They still trail by 124 runs. Whose day was it yesterday, though? Was it Pakistan's? Was it Australia's? Or do you reckon it was pretty even? I think in the end, although it was probably on, on the day itself, it might have been slightly Pakistan's mm. because Australia started the day in a strong position and because Australia being the home side and overwhelming favourites. Uh, I, I think that if you looked at the the chances given, the, the draw um, has reduced significantly in its chance. Actually, probably Pakistan is a slightly better chance of winning after day two than day one. But the real big change is that Australia's... Um, likelihood of winning has, has risen even more. It didn't look like that for two thirds of the day, um, but you've got to just do so many things right as a touring side here. Mm. And 
Uh, they took their catches for a change, Pakistan, some really good catches. They uh, got the Australian innings um, curtailed. We're talking about yesterday how Travis Head was just as likely to, to bat them out of the game. That didn't happen. Mm. And then uh, they batted really well, and it was looking, as you said, well, this could be interesting. And Pat Cummins, absolute champion, uh, caught and bowled. And then one of the balls of the season to, to get their best batter out, Barbara Azam. It was the, the type of ball that almost no one would have got out. And, and from that point on, Australia really applied the screws. What do you make of uh, the way Australia's innings ended? Now, we've seen Pakistan have lost six wickets since then. So clearly maybe a, a bit happening in the pitch. But I think most people, probably including myself and probably you, probably expected more from Australia in that first session yesterday than what we got. Yeah, probably. Although I think... The ball was moving around a bit, um, mm. and I think that the the Pakistanis bowled well. They bowled some bad balls, but in amongst that, they bowled some really good balls too. So I, I thought, for example, the way that Mitchell Marsh played was the correct way. Mm. Um, he ultimately did get out uh, playing an attacking shot, but he scored 41 from 60. Uh, another player at another time would have occupied those 60 balls, scoring far fewer runs, and then probably would have got, got a good one and got out anyway. So I, I think that Australia would have been disappointed not to score more than 318. But I think in those conditions, it wasn't too bad. And the conditions probably did flatten out a little bit um, as the day went on and the sun started to beat down. Now, so as I said, Pakistan, 124 runs behind Australia with four wickets remaining. Again, crucial first session this morning. If Pakistan could get anywhere near that 318, then they're definitely in the game. But if Australia could take four wickets for not many, then really puts Australia in a real dominant position heading into day three. The interesting one is going to be Mohamed Rizwan, who mm. um, has been returned to the side this game, the wicketkeeper. He's a, um, a, a real go-getter. And he came out late last night, uh, played one of the most extraordinary shots I've ever seen. You might have seen it where he uh, basically, uh, almost not quite to get off the mark, but played a one-day shot where he... Uh, eased Pat Cummins over the deep backward square leg boundary for six, almost as sort of mm. like a, a standing slog sweep. So if he can get a little bit of luck and keep on um, playing his shots, that's the best way for Pakistan to, to stay in this game. It is hard to see the winning because it would need, as you said, a, a, some sort of response from them this morning and then a fantastic bowling performance. And then whatever they're going to have to chase, I have a feeling it's going to be difficult as the, the pitch will probably start to play a few more tricks. So they're still in the game though. And that's... Um, you know, better than we might have feared. Talking cricket at the moment with Paul Dennett from the Makita XGT, the professional choice for cordless convenience, unmatched performance, innovation and power without limits. I want to ask you about Pat Cummins. Uh, just brilliant again yesterday. My Uber driver this morning was actually asking me, what do you think about Pat Cummins and how much money he's getting paid in, at the, in the IPL? Um, again, when Pakistan looked like they were in a dominant position, it was Pat Cummins and look, the other bowlers contributed throughout the rest of the afternoon, but it was Pat Cummins that really got Australia back into being favourites in this match. Absolutely. I'm a huge fan. Uh, I think he's an absolute champion. Mm. I think that if I was to be naming my best Australian test side of the last half century, he's straight in there as one of the three fast bowlers alongside Glenn McGrath and Dennis Lilly. Uh, he slots in there very easily. Mm. They were showing some stats that I think of all Australian bowlers, he has the best strike rate of all time in terms of um, the fewest balls per wicket. Um, so he's very, very destructive. And he's got a bowling average that I think the moment sits in between Glenn McGrath and Dennis Lilly. Uh, interestingly enough, I think that probably T20 in India is, is his weakest format. Mm. Um, so he's probably getting, I think he deserves the money for his overall uh, brilliance. But I think that maybe that's the, the format that I'd be probably least keen to, to part um, with my hard-earned for. 
But I, I think, you know, good on him, good on Mitchell Stark as well. I think it's great that they're earning that amount of money. But it's a lot of pressure to go mm. over there. He's going to go over there as the World Cup captain. Um, and it's very, very difficult on those small Indian grounds, no matter how good a bowler you are, the top edges that would be caught on the boundary at the MCG sail into the crowd. So it's going to be a, a real challenge. He'll be under a lot of pressure, as will Stark. It'll be quite interesting to watch. Interesting to uh, hear from the listeners this morning, 0457736736, or jump on the open line, 1300-01-1170. Where does Pat Cummins rate in the order of Australian bowlers of all time? Now, clearly, uh, unlike the others, uh, he hasn't finished his career and may still have three, four, five more years to go. And been very blessed because look, 20 years ago, we had McGrath, Lee, Gillespie. Now we've had Cummins, Stark, uh, Josh Hazelwood in there as well. James Magnuson uh, on the breakfast show in Sydney last week was posing some questions to Simon Cadditch and a few others about would you take the bowling lineup that we currently have throw Nathan Lyon in there or would you take the bowling lineup you had 20 years ago throwing Shane Warne in there? Now, with the Warne factor, it, the answers were always that bowling lineup. But, geez, this one has been good. It, it's a very good question. Um, I probably agree with that answer. Mm. And I think in terms of if I'm lining up Pat Cummins in terms of the very best bowlers we've ever had as fast bowlers, um, I think I'm still got, I've still got McGrath just above him. Mm. And uh, I've also, for any older listeners, Alan Davidson, who was a superstar of the 50s and 60s, who's criminally underrated, was a, a left armer, a bit like Mitchell Stark, had a, a bowling average kind of better than all of them. Uh, but I think that, and Dennis Lilly as well, that that group of four, you know, without going back uh, too much further, if you compare it to that bowling attack, I suppose you're talking about uh, McGrath, Gillespie, uh, Warren and Lee. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think that McGrath and Cummins line up pretty well. Um, Gillespie and Hazelwood pretty well. I'd probably go Stark over Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, of course, um, as, as well as Nathan Lyon has been bowling, you're going to take Shane Warne over him. And I think that does give them just the edge, yeah. All right, where does Pat Cummins, where does this bowling lineup rank in terms of all-time Australian bowling lineups in your eyes? 0433 98 11 16, 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 11 70. We'll get to the crowd in a second just to let you know today's forecast in Melbourne. We got through a whole day's play yesterday. Mm. Looks like we should be able to get through today's play as well. Only a possible shower, a medium chance of showers, maximum of 21 degrees. And then you look ahead to the next couple of days as well. No rain tomorrow. And uh, if it goes into Saturday, uh, only looking at a millimetre of rain. So 19 and a top of 19 degrees. So quite mild for this time of the year in Melbourne. And that's all for Urban Surf. Learn to surf this summer at Urban Surf Melbourne. Book now and score waves. Very impressive crowd as well yesterday. We were talking about the crowd yesterday about Boxing Day. Again, on a work day. Now, I know a lot of people are on leave or on holidays and we've got school holidays going on, but really impressive crowd. I noticed, I think it was Travis Head interacting with them a lot towards the end of the day. Uh, they were getting quite rowdy at certain parts of the crowd. But what did you make of it yesterday after what we saw on Boxing Day? I thought it was a, a really impressive crowd, actually. Yeah, and I was, I was looking at the numbers. Um, One of my great purchases, actually, in life was um, a couple of years ago, off the statistician, the ABC statistician, Rick, Rick Finlay. Mm. He has every crowd figure forever in mm. Australian test history. So I <laughs> gave him a bit of money for that. So I have this spreadsheet that I have great fun with. But mm. um, it's the 12th biggest day two crowd of a Boxing Day test match ever. Uh, and this is the 43rd Boxing Day Test match. Uh, and so you'd sort of think, well, that's that's pretty high. It's, it's the highest day, day two crowd for a Pakistan test, fifth biggest second day crowd for a non-Ashes test. And I think as well that it shows that had that rain not come on day one, mm. they probably would have edged up to around about 70,000. It's like everyone in Melbourne has said, 
we're having this argument with Perth. Mm. Um, we really need to stand up and, um, and be counted for our city. And so they have turned up. It's going to be very interesting to see what the crowd on day three is. And you're right that having someone, as someone who's often worked during this period, it's very blasé to say, oh, it's everyone's on holidays. If you're not on holiday, you're not on holiday. And, you know, mm. you, you can't just go to the cricket. Correct. So um, plenty of people are, but, yeah, it was a working day. Uh, now, we spoke yesterday about Jared Whateley's comments on this very radio network on Boxing Day about the potential. And, hey, look, he didn't go into it too much, but the potential of a midday start on Boxing Day. Now, Cricket Australia uh, boss Nick Hockley has said no to that. The traditional and um, Boxing Day test will stay there. What do you reckon, though? Do you've now caught up on those comments. Now you've heard them. What do you think of Jared's comments? I was um, uh, quite positive about it yesterday. Having listened to the interview and, and thought about it now, I'm 100% behind Jared Waitley. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure why uh, Nick Hockley was – he kind of played a very straight back, didn't really want to um, engage with the discussion. But the numbers that Jared gave were quite compelling in terms of it really wasn't until – two o'clock in the afternoon mm. that the majority of the crowd were, were in. And I suppose there's some explanation for the mayor of Perth, Basil Zempelis' mm-hmm. tweet early on that it did look a little bit, a little bit empty early. And as I said yesterday, I was asleep at um, uh, the start of play. I had to catch up on, on, on delay. A lot of people would have been that way. I, I think have it from 12 until seven. That means seven thirty because they're always going to have their overrates slow. That's quite late but it's the the longest days of the year. Melbourne sunset is like, I don't know, quarter to nine. Yeah. Um, I'm all for it. I reckon it'd be really cool. All right. We'll get to your calls in a second. 1-300-01-1170-0457-736-736-0433-98-1116. Caller there. We'll get to them in a minute. Uh, How do we expect and what do we expect from day three, Um, which is going to be, you'd expect, the crucial day in this test match. We'll find out which way it is more than likely going to go. Yeah, I mean, I think that the – I hope I'm wrong, but I just I, I just feel that Australia will pick up these remaining wickets fairly quickly. There might be a few boundaries, but that Australia will have um, a, a reasonably healthy lead. It's currently 124, and then the Aussies are going to come out and um, bat with freedom. And I just think before you know it, that the lead will already be at that point where you think even if they were bowled out for not many more, it's going to be difficult to, to, to chase these runs down. I hope that uh, for the sake of the summer, mm. Pakistan can confound those expectations. I'd, I'd love for it to play out in a different way, but that's the way I think it's going to go. All right. Going to be very interesting. Don't forget, of course, SCN will have full coverage uh, from 9 a.m. Uh, Eastern time. Uh, check your local guide, basically, right around Australia. But we'll have full coverage, basically, right after all the breakfast shows. Paul, stay there. Some texts, some calls. We'll get into some of your highlights and lowlights of cricket uh, this year. And we'll talk more about the Big Bash. We didn't really get stuck into that uh, on the other side of the break. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 our open line number. You can text one of two numbers this morning, 0457 736 736, or the temper text line, 0433 We'll take a break. Come back with more. It's Trady news in a nutshell for your Thursday morning. It's good to have your company on this Thursday morning. one 1170 our open line number. You can text 0457-736-736 or 0433-981116. Uh, get some rugby league news in uh, just a second. Just some brief rugby league news uh, written by Michael Carianis in today's uh, Daily Telegraph. Uh, he'll be on breakfast in Sydney with Jimmy Smith after 6am. Before that, though, some text. Paul Dedit in the studio with me talking cricket. We were posing the question and still happy to hear from the listeners on those numbers about Pat Cummins and where does he rate in terms of the all-time bowlers and where 
does this bowling attack for Australia rate in terms of the all-time great bowling attacks for Australia? Uh, someone's texting, no uh, name on this, but they're greatest Australian team of all time. So this is it. And tell me if you agree with what he has to say or they have to say. So he's got Matt Hayden and Dave Warner opening. Uh, Ricky Ponting in at three. Steve Smith. Then Alan Border, who he's made captain. Uh, Steve Waugh. Adam Gilchrist, Shane Warne, vice-captain, Pat Cummins, Dennis Lilly, Glenn McGrath, and Nathan Lyon as 12th man. What do you make of that? Now, very important. Mm. Did he have a caveat saying of my era or is that of all time? Uh, well, at the moment, uh, he just they just sent through that text. So uh, you can always text back, but I imagine, I would imagine probably of all time from what they have seen. Okay, I was going to say, otherwise, if it's of all time, I'd say a certain uh, Don Bradman would have been a, a good in. Yes, um, true. But I think, yeah, I think actually, if that's if that's sort of limited to, say, the last 50 years, mm. um, I really like that side because I probably would have a, not exactly player for player, although mm. pretty close. Often I hear those sides and there'd be one or two people that I go, wait a minute, how have you picked that person? There's no one in that side that I put in that category. So that's a that's a pretty good side as far as they go. Well done, um, anonymous listener. And Dean says on the text line, Pakistan will be out for about 200, uh, 220. Australia will bat, make around 350, then run through Pakistan. Also says next year's summer with India will be interesting. Well, that's right. I, I thought yesterday, and as I said, I watched a lot of uh, yesterday, and it was a good day, a good day of test cricket. It got me more excited for what we're going to see next year and I think the year after as well when England uh, come out. I think, you know, sometimes I look at cricket um, and we've got the West Indies coming out a little later on this summer and Australia are probably going to win that series fairly comfortably. They're probably, even though Pakistan at times this series so far have definitely been competitive, but more than likely they're going to win that series as well. Um, it gets to the point where I think we like to see some competitiveness in cricket. We don't obviously like to see Australia lose, but when they win all the time, it can get a little bit repetitive as well. Absolutely. I mean, when you turn up to a sporting event and you've got uh, something real skin in the game and you're kind of almost not sure if you're going to enjoy it because you're going to be so nervous about it, that doesn't often happen in the Australian Test Match summer. I think next summer could be that exception where I'll be really pumped for it. This summer, I'm almost cheering on Pakistan because I want cricket to do well and I want there to be mm. uh, some competitive tension. I'll be definitely cheering on West Indies because it'll be a miracle if they can compete. <laughs> but next summer, I will certainly not be cheering on India. And that's the, because of the respect I have for India, given they've won the last two here. Um, and also, it's going to be a five-test series um, next summer. First time we're having a, a five-test series against India for a while, which is, which is really good. And ironically, the fact that last time around, India beat Australia at the Gabba and um, broke Australian hearts... That's probably one of the, the best things that could have happened to test cricket because after that, the the television deal uh, to broadcast Australian domestic cricket into India rose significantly. You'll notice they've got a lot of Indians out here in the commentary team this year. You know, uh, Harsha Bogle is mm. out here at the moment. Ravi Shastri was out here before. And it's all to sort of um, pump it up for next year's um, next year's uh, tour. So it's going to be an absolute blockbuster. Yeah, looking forward to it. Brett on the text line. Morning, lads. What's your thoughts on having the lights on for a daytime test? Seemed to be a day that heavily favoured the bowling team day one, and it was pure survival. Yeah, I mean, I think that... Uh, that I think it's the right thing to do to have the lights on. Um, it just frustrates me, though, that that you then have that period where they say, OK, we'll, we'll, we'll allow it a little bit, but when it gets a little bit darker, even with the lights on, because the red ball's hard to pick up, we're, we're going to have to send you off for, for bad light. Actually, I had, um, I think it was Glenn Maxwell, I was, I was watching some of the Australians uh, the other day saying, 
if they could change one rule in cricket, what would it be? I think it was Maxwell who said he'd say, if the, if the lights are on, you keep on playing. And I, I, I know they can't do that from a safety point of view. I think that they should switch to the pink ball. And I know that that sends people's uh, minds into a spin, but switch to a pink ball. And the next day when the, um, the light is good again, go back to the red ball. It's not as though we play in a hermetically sealed environment where everything is sanitized at the moment. We have all sorts of vagaries of um, conditions helping one side and another. I think let's keep um, keep uh, keep the lights on and keep the players out there for longer. Would you like to see more day-night tests? Yes, I do. Um, although I think that the pink ball is still a little bit problematic because they've got to leave a bit of extra. Actually, that's one of the good things about it. Be- ironically, because the pink ball, they're worried that it can get sort of soft and grayish too easily. And then it can be a very, very dire spectacle mm. to counter that. They leave extra grass on the pitch. And so you often see these test matches that are almost in fast forward and they're over in, you know, three, three and a half days, which I don't mind. I mean, I'd, I'd much rather that than two sides each getting 600. So yeah, I think I would like to see a little bit more um, day night test cricket. I, I would, I would not like it to get to the point where it is become, where it becomes the only, uh, the only style of play though. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. More texts there. We'll get to them in a sec. Oh four double three, ninety eight eleven sixteen. Or feel free to call the open line anytime. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Uh, let's just move on from Test cricket just for a sec and look at the big bash uh, from last night and just generally as well. Uh, this year because it has been an interesting season so far in the Big Bash. Last night, Brisbane Heat winning by 15 runs. You watched the whole match. What did you uh, make of the match and a good win in the end by the Brisbane Heats? Yeah, uh, nice game. Uh, good crowd, 29,000 at very the Gabba, which was very, very good to see. Um, probably my highlight was watching Nathan McSweeney, who um, I actually uh, was lucky enough to be calling a Marsh Cup game uh, last summer and mm. He got some runs for South Australia and looked really impressive and really polished. And he's one of these young players that if you get your eye on a young player early and think, oh, this could be someone I could follow for their whole career. I've backed a few slow horses in my time, but he's one that I think could be someone pretty special. And um, he, he certainly played a very polished performance last night. Um, Ollie Davies is the other one I, I really like. Didn't do as much last night, a um, couple of nice shots, but he's a, another young player of, of note. And I note that um, New South Wales have finally given him kind of a chance in the Sheffield Shield, and he's got some runs there, which echoes a couple of comments that David Warner has made, because David Warner was one of the rare, you know, he, he played for Australia before he'd ever played for New South Wales in the Sheffield Shield. Mm. He went through that alternative route, and he's making the point in, in, in recent interviews that Australia should look to that route more often, and that sometimes we are going to get players playing uh, for our national red ball side based more so on big bash form than traditional form. And I think that's... um. That's pretty important. But yeah, um, Sydney Thunder looked like they were going to win, but ultimately uh, couldn't chase the runs down. And uh, yeah, pretty pretty decent game of cricket at the Gabber in front of a good crowd. Yeah, Big Bash overall. And I think, I don't know if it's me and you having a discussion because people have had this discussion for a couple of years now. Is, is the big, it felt like last season, the Big Bash, which had been struggling for a little bit, started to get a bit of an uptick. This year, I don't know if it's got any more of an uptick, but certainly hasn't gone downhill. I think a lot of people look at the Big Bash and look what it was like 10 years ago, five, even five years ago, but definitely that five to 10 year period uh, years ago when it was on Channel 10, when I sat down personally and watched basically every match throughout the summer, it was almost must watch. We're not in that period at the moment. And maybe that is because it's not a novelty anymore. And, and that happens with a lot of things in life, basically everything in life, the things aren't new all the time. Where do we rate the Big Bash? Because they have obviously changed the format of the season to made it shorter, which I think is a good thing because I think half the problem was that it went way too long in the first place. 
Where are we at the moment? What's your opinion on the Big Bash? Do you think they could change a few more things or are you happy with where it sits at the moment on the cricketing calendar? I think you're right in the way you've summarised it, that it's not at its heights of like 2017 where I remember having some fun doing some stats and it was unfair because it wasn't comparing apples with apples, but it was the seventh highest attended domestic sporting league in the world mm. uh, on average, mm. which, you know, it's a, a six-week season compared to other other seasons that were going ages, but I think it was just below Major League Baseball on average crowds and it was it was almost rivaling the IPL. Mm. Um, and now that, that has obviously changed completely, but I do think that last year it made uh, some positive steps. This year, I, I think that momentum has continued and I, I think that... The one thing I would love to see is back on one network, and it, it shouldn't mm. matter so much. But I think back on the Channel Ten days, that it was the, it was appointment viewing, and you knew that every single night it was going to be on Channel Ten, um, and you got that kind of water cooler effect where the the the, the Channel Ten commentators almost became sort of famous because of the, the, the of the production. And um, I, I think that both networks do a great job in covering it, but I think that that would be great. But I think that. You look at some of the crowds, 42,000 in Perth the other night, 29,000 in Brisbane. Um, I, I still can't find an SCG crowd for the game the other night, but that was a pretty healthy crowd as well. So I think it is, um, it's on the way back up and it's going to be very interesting to see what happens after Christmas uh, as we're now in, because that's normally when it succeeds. The big disappointment is that with the West Indies Test Series uh, and all the one-dayers in them into the, into the January period, we're not going to see as many Australian players coming back. And I think that's... That's the other thing I'd like to see going forward. Cricket Australia really carving out a window that after the Sydney Test match, we have every Australian player available to play the the Big Bash until the final. And I think at the height of the Big Bash, uh, when you looked at the TV ratings, when you looked at, well, maybe not so much crowds, but definitely TV ratings, was that when it was up against the Australian Open, which is the other big event of the summer, when you think of big sporting events, you think, yes, whatever cricket's on, you think uh, Australian Open. And then, of course, she's got the NBL and the A-League going on as well. But Australian Open, a huge event every year in Melbourne. And at one stage, the Big Bash was actually betting the Australian Open most nights. That's not the case anymore. The Australian Open is back to dominating. To an extent, the Big Bash still obviously rates very well and some nights does beat it. It is an interesting one. And it also, and this is probably another conversation, but it also pushes domestic cricket, like one-day cricket, the Sheffield Shield competition, which for, uh, for a long time has been struggling. But I remember when I was growing up, I used to go down to the cricket and watch it quite regularly. Now, I mean, how many does a Sheffield Shield match get? To, does it get anyone in? Maybe a handful of people at best? Yeah, I mean, um, you're right. I've been to quite a few because I've called quite a few, mm. and the, the crowds are uh, they're pretty low. Um, but I, I'm okay with that. I think that it's at the point where... We want to, it's a loss leader. Let's fund it brilliantly, accept that not many people are going to watch it, although people do talk about it. But if we make it, um, give it the love that it deserves, it is the the breeding ground that we've had for so long for success at the test level. And I'm okay with the fact that we are getting uh, less attention to the shield. The fact that we got, you know, 42,000 for a domestic game in Perth the other night, that would have just been unheard of mm. um, uh, a few years ago. And... For that not to even be close to the record, they got, what, 80-something thousand to the Melbourne Derby a few years ago. So I, I'd, I'd rather have where we are now, although I do I do think it's also a pity that the Sheffield Shield has to stop 
for several months in the middle of the season, but there's just no other way. All right, keep the text coming in, 0457 736 736. Temper text line is 0433 98 11 16. Or you can call the open line, 1300. 01 1170, we'll take a break. Come back with more. You're listening to Tradies News in a Nutshell for your Thursday. Yeah, good to have your company on this Thursday morning. Uh, Paul Denton in the studio. I almost got confused what day it is because you do sort of lose mm. t- uh, track of days. Second day at work, but this is halfway through the working week. Tomorrow is the last day of the working week, then another long weekend. And you're on leave at the moment anyway, so it's working out very well for you. Absolutely. Yeah, this time of year. It's sometime between Christmas and New Year's Eve, but who knows when. Exactly, exactly. All right, uh, some EPL now, I believe. Uh, now, my regular listeners in New South Wales and Queensland are going to be very disappointed by this, that John Gallo, for the second time in two weeks, has slept in. How is it three strikes and you're out, you reckon, Paul? <laughs> I can't comment. I can't comment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll be having words with John. Now, he's on leave himself, uh, so I, I can understand that. But, mm. Anyway, uh, I'll talk to him later, and he'll have to explain once again to the listeners why he missed, uh, which he had to do the other day, and he assured us that that would not happen again, uh, but clearly it has. So we'll get to the EPL results in a second anyway and what's coming up, but just want to get to some texts firstly. 0457 736 736. Temper text line is 0433 or you can also call 1300 01 1170. This text, no uh, name on it, but a really good text. Uh, hey, Dan and Paul. My daughter and her boyfriend and their friends got picked out of the crowd yesterday as cricket fans of of the day. They got to meet a few of the players after the end of the day's play. Have you heard of that as a regular occurrence happening? Uh, not specifically, if I'm honest, but I, I do know that this um, this current regime is so much about being accessible. Mm. And I remember I took my daughter to the, uh, the WBBL last season and uh, every player from every side came and greeted everyone in the crowd afterwards. Um, I think it was Justin Langer talking about when he first took over as coach, he got a shock to see how many sort of extra commitments that the side was um, was being involved in, even to the point of getting the, the players mic'd up. Have you heard any of those conversations mm. where they've shown between uh, Kawaja and Warner and stuff? Mm. And um, uh, yeah, I just think that uh, it's great. And um, I think they're a really, really likable side at the moment. Mm, great to say this text, why not use a uh, pink or orange ball or have a light in the uh, the ball like the bales. Um, I think that it, that would be a great, I think technologically um, we might not be quite there yet to be able to have the light inside the ball. Mm. Uh, but certainly the pink ball, I think is what we should use when it's bad light. Uh, this text, this one is from Ben says, could you imagine a try or quad series uh, test cricket over a summer, e.g. Australia, India, Sri Lanka, and Pakistan. We got a similar text uh, yesterday about how Australia should play different teams. One test against uh, each different team. That would be good, uh, Ben. I like that suggestion. Again, I suppose it would just be where does it fit on the calendar or is it that maybe next time Pakistan or Sri Lanka come out, we try and get India out for one or two test matches as well? Yeah, I mean, it would be great. Uh, I think the problem would be that the, the neutral test matches, aside from India-Pakistan, would probably be a hard sell. Um, mm. But I, I do like the idea of it. Um, they've tried it once. Mm. Um, 19-12 didn't work. Mm. Uh, <laughs> the triangular test series, but that was because it got rained off a bit in England. So, yeah, in theory, I like the idea, but I just, I, I, I honestly, uh, I think the, the direction test cricket is heading in is is less, not more. South Africa's playing India in a series at the moment in South Africa. Big crowds, big interest, and it's a two-test series. It's a crying shame. And this one, pity the Big Bash can't have any Indian cricketers, even ex-players, 
also at a New Zealand team. Now, that last bit is really interesting because uh, in the NRL and the AFL, there's been lots of talk over the past 12 or 24 months about expansion. We know the AFL have said there's going to be a team down in Tasmania in a few years' time. The NRL had the Dolphins introduced this season just gone. There's talk about Papua New Guinea. There's always been this push. That, oh, now, I, from an NRL point of view, I think Perth should probably be the next team. But there's looks like it's going to be a Papua New Guinea Pacific team. There's always talk about adding a second New Zealand team in the NRL as well. Um, and look, the NRL is flying over there at the moment on the back of what the Warriors did uh, last season, just gone. A New Zealand team in the Big Bash, would that work? It would be pretty good for time difference, obviously two hours ahead. Um, so you would get obviously more matches in, but then that's not condensing a Big Bash season. That's making it even longer. That's the problem, I think. That I think in, in theory, it would be awesome. Uh, I, I would love it. Um, and I, I, I'd, I'd love a second NRL team. I think that mm. seeing the Dolphins come in this year in the Brisbane Derby, I think it'd be great to have a New Zealand Derby in the NRL. But I just can't see it happening. That you've, you've kind of got to be quite selfish with the fixturing if you're Cricket Australia, and that's um, that's a sad thing. But I, I think it'd be great. There has actually been um, there's a precedent for it. The first time we we were very very um, rude to New Zealand. We invited England out here a hundred years before them. Plus, we didn't invite New Zealand out here till 1973, 74. First time ever for a Test series. And while they're out here, we allowed them to participate in our. Um, uh, Marsh Cup equivalent, the 50 over mm. competition. There's their national side. Mm. How's that for an insult? Your, your national <laughs> side can play in our state competition. So we let that, they're in there, there for a couple of years. So maybe we could put the New Zealand national side in the Big Bash. That'd be a bit of an insult. That would be interesting to say. <laughs> They'll probably beat most, of the, beat most of the Big Bash teams. Yeah, surely. If they had all their best players, they yeah, they would. But there'd be some good games. Just whilst we're on rugby league, before I get your thoughts on the cricket year as a whole, uh, story by Michael Carianis in today's Daily uh, Telegraph, where I can see in the office here. It's Sydney. Sydney Roosters superstar Joey Manu is considering a shock co-switch for a stated rugby union, which could land him a $1.5 million payday. Now, it's understood Manu has explored options to play rugby overseas, potentially in Japan, when his deal with the Roosters expires at the end of next year, so the 2024 NRL season. Um, so it could just be as short as one season, uh, Joey Manu, in uh, J- Japanese rugby. That could earn him more than $1.5 million a season. It would allow Manu then to return to the Roosters. Now, the season, the Japanese uh, season, uh, goes from December to May, meaning Manu would only miss about 10 games for the Roosters in 2025. I put on Twitter last night, I think if he wants to, and obviously he might want to explore what's going to happen in rugby union for him, um, but the Roosters clearly want to keep him, and he has some loyalty to the Roosters. I've been talking about the Dragons. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Probably not a bad deal for the Roosters to say, okay, you can go and do this and then come back. Now, the NRL might have to ratify and all that, so we don't know if it's 100% going to happen, but... It's an interesting one to see a player that is playing in the NRL, then go over play somewhere else for three or four months, then come back to the NRL. Not too dissimilar to what we see in cricket with the IPL as well. Yeah, I was just thinking that. It's quite mm. a remarkable thing. That, yeah, and look, it's a nice deal for the. Um, if I was the player, I'd be saying yes, thank you very much. Mm. Um, uh, take the extra money, and um, that's the one of the the modern day the modern day challenges. And I just don't think you can ever begrudge a player for taking the money. I mean, cricket careers are short, but rugby league careers are perilously short. Mm. I don't know what the average um, stint in the NRL is, but it's probably when you consider all the players who don't last very long, it's probably four years maybe. Um, And so 
make hay while the sun shines. Roosters fans, rugby league fans, especially New South Wales and Queensland, this is this morning, but anyone uh, happy to jump in. What do you make of that? And is it something that we might see more of? 0457 736 736 temper text 0433 or 1300 I dare say that the NRL um, would not want it to happen on a regular occurrence because you could then see players go over get injured, be out for the rest of the season. Now, I'm sure clubs wouldn't like that as well, but when you're talking about someone like Joey Manu and how important he is, uh, I can understand why the Roosters might be a bit lenient on that. One to watch, um, and listeners through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, also our listeners through Queensland, there'll be more on that after 6 AM with Jimmy Smith and Michael Carey Arnest. Now, uh, tomorrow on the show, we're going to speak to Chris Perkins in America, but we're also going to do highlights, lowlights of the year because it's my last time on air uh, tomorrow for the year and then straight back on Tuesday into the new year, and we might do some predictions for the new year on Tuesday. But when you look back, Paul, um, because we won't chat tomorrow, when you look back at the cricketing year, highlight, low light for this team. I mean, there's been a lot of cricket played and most of it has been good, but what has really stood out for you this year? I think if I'm going to have highlights, there's um, obviously winning the World Cup is, is a massive highlight. Um, mm. Winning the World Test Championship is a highlight. Retaining the Ashes, there's a, there's a lot, as you say. My highlight as a pure moment was Travis Head's catch in the final of the World Cup. Mm. Um, that Robert Sharma was looking like he was about to tear Australia to pieces. And I had this sinking feeling as a fan who was so invested in that game. I was saying earlier how sometimes with the Australian cricket team, you're so confident they're going to win, you don't get too nervous. But I really wanted us to win that game. It didn't look like it was going to happen. Maxwell induced the edge and I thought, oh, he's not going to quite catch this. And he did. And from that moment on, everything went Australia's way in the World Cup final. Plus a few weeks before, Glenn Maxwell's innings against Afghanistan uh, playing with cramps in both legs. Basically, it seemed like he couldn't move anything except his wrists, and he still managed to score a double century. Uh, I think it's the most extraordinary innings I've ever seen. And um, I just watched it with gathering disbelief, and uh, what what a privilege to have, to have seen that. As for lowlights, um, it's almost forgotten now, but right at the start of the year, Australia did go to India and lose a test series. Mm. And... Uh, I, I was just looking back through the scorecards because there's one moment in particular I've, I've isolated. We lost the first test. We ultimately won the third test and drew the last test. So oh. had we had we won the second test, Australia would have actually won that series, which would have been a phenomenal um, achievement. Australia in the second test, 263. India, 262. And in reply... Australia were one for 65. Mm. Travis Head and Manus Labuschagne looking really, really good. And I was thinking, finally, mm. um, those, you know, demons I've got of seeing so many collapses, they're all gone. Mm. Australia went from one for 65, all out 113. And it was yes. like, oh. Um, they ultimately, yeah, have, having been down 2-0, mm. then won the third test impressively, probably had slightly the better of a, of a drawn game in the final one and, and came out of the series with with... Uh, you know, uh, a great deal of respectability, but oh, what might have been. Yeah, I'll forever remember the morning of the, uh, it might have been the first Ashes test when Australia scored that remarkable victory. The tail end basically got them through. And that was, ironically, the first uh, the morning of day, uh, first game of origin uh, this year, game one. And usually, you're normally broadcasting through New South Wales, Queensland, usually origin dominate. I mean, usually origin dominates uh, that day right across Australia, really. 
Uh, between five and six when I was here, it was all techs and the cricket. I think we basically mentioned Origin once that morning before the start of the game. That was just remarkable. And as I've said to you a couple of times, that's where test cricket does have its place and still dominates over the other forms of cricket 100%, despite how well we did at that World Cup. And it was great to see us uh, win the World Cup as well. So, yeah, tomorrow, uh, really interested to hear from you on the text line, the open line, your highlights, your lowlights. You've got 24 hours to think of this, uh, of sport in 20. 23. Couple of texts before I let you go, Paul. This one from Anthony. Uh, in terms of uh, greatest batsman of all time, no Greg Stephen Chappell, one of the three greatest Aussie bats of all time, and batted with a toothpick. Anthony? Uh, yeah, Greg Chappell, I think he's in the conversation as our second best batsman ever, um, along with probably Steve Smith, Ricky Ponting, Neil mm. Harvey. They're probably mm. the, in, that, in that conversation after Don Bradman. Mm. Uh, my first memory of Test cricket is Greg Chappell's last innings. He scored 182, and he's always got a sort of a mystical place in my childhood nostalgia as a result. So, yeah. Huge fan of uh, Greg Chappell. Yeah, Gregory Stephen Chappell, he said. So I think I said Gregory and Chappell. Um, and this one from Tommy, uh, clearly listing from Victoria. There is a way to bring back domestic cricket crowds, get rid of the Stars, renegades, Thunder and Sixes, and bring back the Vicks. So that's how he would bring the crowds back to domestic cricket. I must admit, when they first brought in the, the city-based Big Bash, I felt the same. I, thought, I remember getting an email, who are you going to support, the Sixes or the, the Thunder? Mm. I said, I don't need to. I support New South Wales. But... Mm. I'm a convert. Um, the first game I was out at the Big Bash and they suddenly said, who wants to dance? And I was just curmudgeonly, I don't want to dance. I'm here to watch the cricket. And suddenly 30,000 youngsters get up and dance. And I realized, ah, it's not necessarily about me. Mm. It's about bringing the next generation in. And they love it. And so, yeah, I'm all for it. And that's what people do forget about the Big Bash. It didn't start with the Sixers, the Thunder. Mm. It started just as Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland. But yeah, I, I think the way they have done it, I, I, haven't, I haven't been to a Big Bash match for a while, but such a great night out and only goes for three hours. A bit like a football game, like an AFL NRL game. Paul, great stuff. You'll be back in with me next Wednesday and Thursday. Looking forward to that because we'll be in the Sydney test and hopefully we're not talking too much about rain. Oh, absolutely. That's looking forward to a lot though. Thank you, mate. Enjoy day three. Australia to win? I think so, yeah. All right. Don't forget, SDN will have live coverage straight after the breakfast shows this morning as we get uh, underway. Day three of the Boxing Day test. 0457 736 736, our text number. Temper text line is 0433 We'll take a break, come back and wrap things up. Breakfast, not too yeah, big thanks to Paul Dennett for coming in at the studio. He'll be back in with me next Wednesday and Thursday morning. So looking forward to that. Couple of texts to finish things off. Uh, this one, Nathan's line, Nathan Lyons, 8 for 64 in the second innings of the third test against India was the beginning of all the success that has happened this year. From then on, our team has been incredible. Very good point, Tommy, on the text line there. And this one, I'd like uh, the NZ team that we were talking about before the break to be called the New Zealand Lightning then we can have NZ Lightning versus Sydney Thunder. What a storm. Thank you. Very good at this time of the morning. Uh, well done. EPL coming up this morning. A few matches. We've got Chelsea up against Crystal Palace. That kicks off in 35 minutes time from now, as does Brentford up against Wolves. And then at 7.15, that's Sydney time. Everton taking on Man City. Tottenham back in action tomorrow morning as well, as is Arsenal up against West Ham. Tomorrow on this show, Chris Perkins from America. And we'll look back at the year that was 2023 in sport. Thank you for your, all your texts and calls today. Breakfast coming up right across the country. Don't forget the cricket from uh, right after that, right after our breakfast shows, uh, day three of the Boxing Day Test. Have a great Thursday. See you for the final one of the year tomorrow morning. Breakfast is next.